0: I'd like you to join me this morning in the book of Malachi, Malachi, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed you? And then God answers, In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the last time I spoke, I spoke on giving. On tithing. And I don't get any offerings from this church. I don't get any kind of support from this church. I want you to know that. I'm God sustained. We'll say that. But tithing is a very, very important issue. God loves us. And He wants the best for us. He is the one who ordained tithing. And everything in heaven and earth belong to God. Do you agree? Everything in heaven and earth, it belongs to God. He created it. And He's blessed us to be able to use it, but he requires of us the 10th of our labors, and he does that for our good. We need to give. It's in our nature to want to gather and heap to ourselves and make our own way. That's man's nature. And we put our trust in ourselves rather than in God himself. And God wants us to see the importance of the tithe, giving the tithe. And you say, well, I don't have very much money. Well, the tithe is a portion, it's a percentage, it's 10% of whatever income you have. And God wants us all to learn how to freely give what belongs to Him. It belongs to Him. Now, we are to tithe to the storehouse, which is our local church, and God intends the tithe for the needs of the church and its outreach. The early church, rather than government, provided for the care of the poor and the widows. In the early church, they took the tithes that were gathered together by the church, and they used it, to take care of the poor that had nothing and widows that had nothing. And God wants us to understand His ways. Love is manifested by obedience. In John chapter 14, verse 15 and 23, if you love me, Keep my commandments. We can say how much we love the Lord, but we will prove that we love him by keeping his commandments. And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our abode with him. Now, I was a pastor for a number of years in a place called Starville. That wasn't the church name we gave to the church. It was the name of Four Corners, and the church was on one of those corners, so it was called Starville Church. And um, when we were there... There was a woman there who said they didn't have enough money to tithe. Have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way at times, but we always put tithing as the first thing that we paid when we received any income. And this woman said they didn't have enough money to Tithe. And I responded to her that we could not afford not to tithe because we didn't have enough income to supply our needs. And that was the truth. We didn't have enough to make ends meet. Yet the Lord gave us enough because we put Him first. We put Him first. And I want to challenge, if any of you are having a difficult financial time, put God first. The first thing my wife and I always paid was our tithe. That was the first thing. And God never let us go without. And we didn't beg from other people. They didn't know our situation. But God was faithful, and He will be faithful to His people if we will obey God's ways. Tithing was always the first thing that we took out of our income before other bills were paid. God was always faithful. He was always faithful. We never borrowed from tithe, I know people that, you know, get their tithe put away and then they borrow from it. Well, that's not quite the way it works. God's expecting it in the offering on Sunday or Wednesday, whatever. And he wants us to be faithful. We paid God first. And it's an attitude of heart to put God first. It's an attitude of heart. Now, you cannot use your tithe for other needs even if you are a minister of the gospel. Does everyone get that? Is that simple enough? Okay. Now, we were in a country... And I was teaching a seminar on um, on finance and on giving. And um, the pastor came to me later and he said, I used to dip out of our tithes because I'm the pastor to pay for travel that I had to do for the church and visiting people and that kind of thing. And he says, God began to deal with that pastor that the tithe 100% belonged to the Lord. It belonged to the Lord. He wasn't free to give God's tithe to the gas station, or other things he used it for. And now, when that pastor heard that from the Lord, he is not falling short of finance, but he has plenty for his family when he's paying his tithe fully to the Lord, as God says. And I believe God wants to encourage every one of us that tithing is such an important part of our walk with the Lord. Now, God's not short of money. God has plenty, but He has given tithing for our sakes. It's for our sakes, it's for us to learn to obey God. Many people excuse not tithing, saying that it was under the law. It was under the law. Well, the truth is, tithing was practiced before the law was ever instituted in Israel. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 through 20, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven." For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The the righteousness under grace exceeds the righteousness under the law. We should be free to give whatever God tells us to give. Now, I want to tell you right now, I'm not taking any offerings after this message. I don't get any. I said that before. My great-grandmother, my father's grandmother, was accustomed to... Giving and, and I want to explain first, she was a widow, she lived alone, and she had a very small portion of income. But she gave 50% of her income as long as she had her garden till she was 100 years old. She gave 50%. Of her income and you know God wants us to learn that we can give more than we think we can and I'm not trying to stir up money for the church I I don't know if the church has got a lot of money or not I have no idea but I do know this what you have is going to be impacted by how you obey God in giving. And I want to see everyone here prosper in God's ways. It's very, very important. One man made a statement, Give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. That would be hard to deal with, wouldn't it? (laughs) An ambitious young man told his pastor he'd promised God a tithe of his income. They prayed for God to bless his career, and at that time he was making $40 a week. Now, this is an old story. And he tithed $4 every week. In a few years, his income increased, and he was tithing $500 a week. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you that if you give $4 a week, God's going to up your income to $500 per week, so, or not your income, but your tithing. Well, this young man was tithing for $500 a week, and he called on the pastor to see if he could be released from tithing what he had promised. It was too costly now, $500 a week just for tithe, but he was making a lot of money. And the pastor replied, I don't see how you can be released from your promise. But we can ask God to reduce your income to $40 a week. Then you'd have no problem tithing $4 a week. <laughs> oh, my. When Israel came out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, they were so thankful for all that God had done for them that they gave for the building of the tabernacle of Moses so abundantly that he had to restrain them from giving any more. They were so generous because of God's goodness to them. And they gave more than was needed for the building of the tabernacle that Moses was going to build. As they lost respect for God and His laws and grew cold spiritually, they let off giving tithes and offerings. And that happens with people. But the giving of the tithe released the blessings of God upon the nation of Israel in the days of Hezekiah after that they had been in a backslidden state. They were so thankful to be back in with God that they gave tremendous offerings. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance, the first fruits of corn and wine and oil and honey and all of the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt, In the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep. Now, you don't have to bring in oxen and sheep. And the tithe of holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God. And they laid them up by heaps. And in the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw all that was heaped up as offerings unto the Lord, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty. For the Lord has blessed his people and that which is left in this great store. They had plenty when they were reaching out with their offerings that really belonged to God. It, it brought plenty so the priests were not going hungry. And God wants us to learn his ways. He wants us, you know, when, when we read these things in the scripture, he wants us to put them in practice in our lives so that God can prove himself to us and he wants to do that to every one of us even the children even the children when i was a child i learned to give a tithe and i've never stopped and i thank god for his faithfulness now there are enemies to uh, to obedience to god there are enemies And I want to talk to you about a couple of these enemies that are enemies to obedience to God. I want to look at breaking the influence of mammon. Mammon. You've heard that word mammon? Does everybody know what mammon means? Uh, Maybe not. Okay, I'm going to tell you. How's that? Lay not up for yourself, in Matthew 6, 19 through 24, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness." If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, this mammon is a thing that God wants to break in our lives. It's something God says you cannot serve God and mammon. And God wants us to have one master, not two. Mammon becomes a master that controls us if we give in to it. But God wants us to have the Lord as our master in our life. And if we will break that mammon and its hold in our life and try to serve mammon, we're not going to have God's blessing on our life. But we cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is that thing of wanting to stack up money, save money for ourself, and disobey God in doing it. Jesus gave strong teachings about the way we handle money. And it greatly influences how he can entrust us with true eternal riches. When I go to heaven, I won't be taking any money from this earth. Will you? Can you slip it into your wallet? in a back pocket, and slide it into heaven with you? Nope, you can't do that. It won't work. It won't work. It'll be of no value to you. But God wants us to learn how to handle money properly. Jesus gives three indications of a faithful person. Someone, number one, who is faithful in small matters, little things. Number two, faithful in handling money and goods. And number three, faithful in that which is another man's. And this is found in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 14. God Wants us to know how to be faithful in these three areas. And we cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot serve God and mammon. In its simplest form, that word mammon need, means money or riches. If we're after money and riches and that's our goal in life we cannot serve God. And God wants to free any of us that may have that problem. Mammon is thought to be a demon god of wealth that was worshipped by the Syrians. It was Thought to be a demon god worshiped by the Syrians. And this is mentioned in Paradise Lost by John Milton. And the Random House Dictionary defines mammon as a personification of riches as an evil spirit or deity. Boy, that puts us in a different realm, doesn't it? If if we live for mammon, and that's our love in life, we are in trouble. We are in trouble, and we're going to be influenced by another spirit, not the Spirit of God. I only want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Don't you? Hallelujah. There were three answers. Uh, Thank you. That encourages me. Attitudes of pride or poverty cause us to compare ourselves with others. And we miss God's abundance and blessings. In First Timothy chapter six and verse six through eight, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. That's good to remember that. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And that's what God wants for every one of us. He doesn't want us to live for piling up money. That's not his goal for us. He has other things that are of eternal value that must come first. Now, what is covetousness? Well, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That's very important to understand that. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, mortify, or that word mortify means to put to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is Deemed by God as idolatry. In Hebrews 13 and verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, my wife and I practiced that in going to Bible school. We had very little money. I'm not sure why she married me. I didn't have any money. <laughs> but she didn't want money. Thank God she's been a good wife. And, uh, but we went through Bible school, and we had very little. All the time we were praying Lord, will you supply for us? And God was faithful, and we finished Bible school with all of our classes paid for, all of our books paid for. See, God was looking after us because we were paying our tithes, as God said to do. And I I want to encourage you that God wants to prove himself to each one of us. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Many evil people appeal to covetousness in people to deceive them and take their wealth from them. And... God doesn't want that to happen to us. Covetousness is holding or desiring more. That is, we are eager for gain. We're eager for gain. I don't think God wants us to think about how much money we have. Now, we need to be wise in handling money. We need to... uh, pay our tithes, we need to pay our bills. But God wants to prove himself to us. He wants to work in us so that we know we can trust him. And not just trust him that we'll always have money, but we can trust him in everything. We can trust God. He's faithful. And God wants us to be free from that spirit of mammon and covetousness. Now, having riches is not a sin in itself. Job had quite a lot of cash on hand. Abraham was well to do. Isaac, Jacob, David, they were among others in the scripture who were wealthy, and it pleased God greatly, but they they didn't have covetousness in it. They were not seeking to grab all they could, but God blessed them. Now, if God has blessed everyone here, I'm as happy as can be. But if we are governed by this mammon, God, that is going to devastate our spiritual life, the life of our family, and other things that God has for us. Having riches is not a sin in itself. That's not a sin. A statistician once asked the president of Argentina, why is it that South America, with all of its natural resources, iron, copper, uh, coal, silver, gold, rivers, waterfalls, developmentally is so far behind North America. The president of South America, uh, of uh, Argentina, uh, said the Spanish came to South America looking for gold. The North America was settled by the Pilgrim Fathers who came in search of God. And I thought, what an insightful declaration of the president of Argentina to see that Argentina had lack because they wanted gold and riches and so forth. The, the Spanish that went there settled there. But the pilgrims came to America because they wanted God. And God's blessed America up till now, anyway. I don't know what America's going to do in the days ahead. I think we need to be thinking about that and considering, Lord, what is most important to us. We want you. We want your ways. It's not a matter of gathering up as much money as we can and making that our goal. So I want to put this before you. I'm not against anybody that's got money. Not at all. I, I pray for people that don't have enough because God wants to give us enough. Amen? He wants to see that that we have what we need. And He wants to show Himself faithful to us. If we'll put Him first, if we'll put Him first, He will prove Himself to us. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, You are so faithful. You're so good. And Lord... I know in some ways it's not nice to talk about money, but it's part of your word. It's part of your teachings. And Lord, I want to see everyone in this flock prosper in your ways because they understand your ways and they respond to you and obey you. Lord, bless this church. I pray, Lord, that you will multiply the size of this church many times, and Lord, that you'll provide everything that's needed for every family, that there will be no want, no lack, because we understand that you've called us to give of our income. And Lord, we want to honor you. We want to obey you and please you. We bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen.